my name is Andrew Shankman. I'm a writer, mostly of kids' cartoons, and also the host of this podcast, Goodest Notes. On Goodest Notes, our mission is to interview career creatives of all kinds about the best notes and feedback they have received on their work from their collaborators. Because getting notes can be rough, but they can also be a goodest. We're still workshopping the intro. Today's guest is Matthew Voltaggio. Under the name Best Friends Club, Matthew has produced a prolific body of lo-fi house jams, including in 2019 when he released a new song every single week. Matthew also teaches other artists how to promote their music in a modern landscape that is confusing and exciting in equal measure. Hi, Matthew. How's it going? Hey, Andrew. Thanks for having me. That was a solid intro. It was a Really impressed with that. <laughs> Thanks so much for that. I definitely did not mess up your name and we edited it out. That would be uh, <laughs> That didn't happen. That'd no. be terrible. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, given the nature of your work as an instructor, you know, teaching people how to navigate and promote their work online, how do you structure your advice and your lessons for students when the online terrain can shift so suddenly? I think generally, this is... So cliche to start, but it always starts off with the music, but in particular, not like, oh, you gotta have great music, make good, great music. My angle usually is you need to have a lot of music. My whole approach is like, you kind of kicked it off in a good way, mentioning I did a song a week for about a year, and that was something that I did. But now what I usually recommend is doing a song every single month. And that's kind of the best place to start, I think, for any artist, like taking stock of all the songs that you have, getting them to like a release ready state as much as possible so that they're then able to kind of map out the next six to 12 months of releases and then have something to drop every single month for that time period. That's kind of usually where I would start things off. And I was thinking even as I was formulating that question that like while in some ways work that's living more online than you might think of other kinds of artwork that the kind of like illusion of stability that you might find in a more like, I don't know, piece of legacy media is really just that as an illusion. So I think that kind of like focus on kind of core principles makes a lot of sense no matter what you're doing. Yeah, I could see that applying to almost anything because it seems like definitely in like this new age, it all comes down to really cultivating an audience, whether it's an audience for children's books or comic books or music or whatever it is. You're trying to build up an audience of people that want to support what you're doing. And I found one of the best ways to do that is to constantly give them new something of whatever you're doing, whether it's a new song every single month or a new chapter every single month, something to keep people interested and go like, wow, this person's putting out a lot of stuff. I usually like what they're doing. I actually want to follow them. Kind of builds the relationship that way. We've mentioned now twice your 2019 where you're putting out these sort of weekly songs. Yep. I was interested specifically in that and just in general, when you finish a song, who is the first person you show it to for feedback or otherwise? When I was doing it that way, it was like, the fans like I would finish it and especially at that kind of like rate of production where you're, you're trying to get a, something pretty polished like mixed and mastered each week usually there's not a lot of room for showing off like works in progress in that kind of uh, velocity of creating so generally it would be just putting it out every single week and then I'd be getting notes like live from fans, whether that would be comments on like the post where I put it up or kind of measuring the amount of likes, that kind of thing. Because particularly when I was doing that, I was almost seeing that as like they, they weren't the full releases. So 
as I was doing it weekly, I'd be able to gather all the notes between the next, like, whatever, six, seven releases that I did. And then I'd be able to see, okay, there's a lot of comments on this song and this song and this song. Those are the ones that I'm actually going to do proper releases on Spotify for. That's an interesting way of experiencing feedback. Just direct, like straight into the lines then kind of thing. Yeah, into my veins. <laughs> yep. So I wanted to move a little bit from the online space you know, that we've been discussing to your work as a DJ and ask what lesson you think non-DJ creatives of all kinds, musicians or otherwise, should learn from DJs or look to DJs to learn? Ooh, okay, that, that's an easy one, actually. So one thing about DJing is a big part of DJing is reading the crowd. So say you're, you're spinning some tracks, you kind of need to be like watching how people are reacting to certain things. Say you're dropping a track that's more upbeat and people are liking it, then you need to do more of that. And if you try to play something in a certain genre and people aren't liking it, you need to do less of that. And I think that's kind of like the biggest thing where it's like serving the audience and always paying attention to the audience, whoever you're making that art for, seeing what they react to, what they don't react to, and adjusting based on those like maybe it's like a direct note that they're saying like hey I like this or I didn't like this but also paying attention to like those like nonverbal cues that can be notes as well and I think it's the biggest thing and I think it's one of the most respectable things that a DJ can do is like servicing the audience in that way and paying attention to them I think that could be applied to absolutely any creative field for sure active listening active and listening watching. yeah <laughs> that's exactly right yeah Let's talk about goodest notes. Can you tell me about some memorable notes or hands-on practical advice that you've received in your career? Yes. So I have a couple of different ones. I've put three down here that I'd like to go into for sure. First one is a bit more positive, I guess. And this happened when I was releasing those songs weekly. So it's kind of like tying into that. But it was basically an experience where... As, especially as you're doing something like that, you're outputting so much content, you're going to be putting out stuff that you like and stuff that you don't like kind of thing. And there was one time where I put out a song where I was like, oh, I don't like this song, I'm putting it out here, and I just have to do it because I'm fulfilling my weekly obligation. And when doing that, I had a buddy, Craig, shout out Craig, who I guess gave me a note on that song that I didn't like, and he basically said, like, this is one of my favorite things that you've ever done. I'd like to get like the MP3 for it. I want to play it like in my church gathering kind of thing. And like hearing that kind of feedback based on a song that I thought wasn't good, it was like a very interesting, like life-changing piece of advice or I guess an interaction where it kind of showed me that as much as as the artist, like my input is valuable, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. And what's more important is the actual audiences, how they're reacting to things, what they like and what they don't like. They're the ones that actually get to make the decision of what song's good and what song isn't good. And like really fine tuning into that and like realizing that was mind blowing is kind of like set the trajectory of how I think about things <laughs> in general, yeah. and not even just creatively, just in life going forward, which is kind of cool. It could be really disorienting. Do you remember, was that very hard? to hear like do you remember your initial emotional response to like oh this is somebody having such a powerful reaction to something that you were kind of conflicted about i would say it was hard in the way where it was like and i'm sure a lot of people can relate to this where it's like you like that song the song i released the week before i put extra time into and it's I, the good stuff yeah that was the good stuff like how come you didn't like that one you know what i mean and like right having that experience too because also i guess it kind of like ties into that but also by doing it so frequently, there was so many songs where it was like, yo, this one, people are going to love this song. And then crickets, no one likes it at all. So it was like, getting that experience, it is hard to take. It's like, oh man, like, 
I guess my input doesn't matter that much. Like, <laughs> you guys are in control of this. <laughs> it's almost more ego death creating than a bad note of somebody hating your stuff. It's like, I was prepared for somebody to not get it, man, but somebody to connect. That's a, an interesting experience to have. Even more in like a sense where it's like, I almost thought there was nothing to get for this song. It was like something where I was like, oh, I don't think this is my best thing. I don't think anyone's going to connect with this and like this. And then someone did get it. Someone found a way to like find the meaning in that song or anything like that that I couldn't even find. So <laughs> it was very, very strange. I've certainly had that experience with music. You know, you hear an album once and you're like, I don't get it. And then like, oh, this is my favorite album. It's hard to realize that can happen with your own work or output yeah. as well, that you might not get it. So then this one's going to hit a little harder. This is going to get a little deeper. So this one actually comes from Drew, who is um, the... Our Drew. Your Drew, yes. Basically, Drew and I were in... I guess we've played in... It feels like a bunch of different bands, but there was one that we were playing in called Progress, which was pretty cool. And there was one show that we played, and I guess we would, after like every show, we would kind of get together and be like, that was good, that was bad, kind of give ourselves our own notes so that we can kind of like improve on the next show kind of thing. And there was one show in particular where we got together after, I'm like, okay, cool, like we're going to get together, do our little note swap, get excited about the next show kind of coming up. And then Drew hit me with a huge note, basically... Back in the day, and still a little bit now, but like my drinking was kind of unchecked. I would do quite a bit of drinking uh, and I would drink during shows. Like, I don't think it was necessarily an instance of like me drinking and bombing. I met up with Drew and then Drew kind of gave me this note where it was like, like, you can't be drinking that much at shows. It's it's like unprofessional and things can go really poorly, that kind of thing. And because of that, like, we're going to kind of end this band. It was like, oh, my God. It was one of those things where it was like devastated at first and like taken back from that, of course. But then over time, is that like a few days pass and that like kind of like really sinks in. I was like, damn, that was like such good advice and something to really like heed and take forward in life. Being cognitive of like being professional and in those kind of environments and just in general, making sure that anything that can go out of control like that is kept in check has been like a life changing note for sure. Yeah, that's I mean, thanks so much for sharing that. You've brought up two kind of surprising places, specifically asking for feedback. It's usually like two dB louder, two, you know, <laughs> but you've gotten both the like unexpected praise and I don't know, art happens at a weird intersection of like having fun and trying to create a loose vibe and you can both not expect and it can be kind of painful to hear hot tips on your conduct, uh, you know, your professionality <laughs> <laughs> or the way that you're affecting others or, you know. hundred percent. But that's extremely useful. Like the vibes such as they are, you know, whether it's about professionalism or just like proficiency are also super important for making good stuff. <laughs> and maybe that's kind of the thread that'll probably run through the feedback that I usually like take to heart is particularly things like that. Like if someone's like, oh yeah, you know, you should lower the decibel levels, like small little things like that. Like, that might help that one project in particular. But usually the stuff that sticks with me is like that kind of like bigger macro level, like things that, that'll apply to multiple projects for years and years and years. Or like maybe we'll even seep into like other ways in my life and how I think about things in general in and outside of creative endeavors. Those are kind of the big berthas for sure. Yeah. Here's how you live your life as an artist. This is another like non super technical specific note. So this is one that I got from a book called The Go-Giver by Bob Burke. Basically the 
general note of that book is as opposed to somebody being a go-getter, someone who goes out and tries to get things and accumulate wealth and tries to get things from people, switching that and becoming a go-giver. So someone who gives as much as possible, tries to help people as much as possible. There's a couple of like key components to business. And there's one in particular where they mentioned that your wealth is directly determined by how many people that you can help. So the more people in the world that you can reach and help, like actually have some kind of significant change in their world, the more money that you stand to make. And I've noticed that by like following this a lot with like a lot of like the teaching stuff, like for example, like I'm selling courses with some of this like how to grow on Spotify stuff, but it's really deep in like the email sequence kind of thing. It's not very public. A lot of the information in that course, for example, is like written in articles and YouTube videos, all sorts of stuff, giving away as much as possible for free. Even still by giving out all that information for free, it's strange that by reaching more people by giving freely like that, there's always going to be a solid amount of people that go, that was great. Thanks for giving that for free. I'd like to take that a step further. Please take my money to help me go a little bit deeper. So it's strange. Like, I feel like that's like normal, common advice to like hide that secret. You know what I mean? Like keep something in your back pocket that don't tell anybody this unless like they pay you or like don't even tell anybody this because you want to have a leg up on the competition. I found like the more that I give, the more money I make. And it's like, one nice thing is, is I've been able to quit my normal job in the last two months by adopting that mentality as a, a part of it, which is badass. And it feels like the antithesis, our last guest who was on, who actually similarly by happenstance had just gone through a period of releasing music in rapid succession like you did. Miles Mercury, we had a long conversation about gatekeepers. Oh, you have to suffer. Only eat sawdust. It's a very like romantic movie story kind of sounding thing. Right. And like that kind of like every element of your success is like a hard one and to be... Guarded secret kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Smog like. <laughs> Most of the inroads I've made in my career have been due to people giving freely their time, their advice. And I certainly try and respond in kind and have been well served by it. That's the interesting thing too, where it's like, I guess if you give freely, not everyone's going to like directly i don't know here's 20 bucks like thanks for helping but it happens in like strange ways like maybe after helping someone freely they just tell a friend who's like oh wow like i just learned this free thing from this person and then they check you out and then maybe they buy something from you or like that ends up becoming a client from friends of friends and that kind of like passing on like the universe has a way of like repaying that kind of thing it's kind of crazy just giving and you get somehow in return it's it's wild <laughs> It is time for unsolicited feedback. So I'm going to throw out some topics, and I want you to try and give some constructive notes and feedback about and to them. All right, let's do it. Could you give some unsolicited feedback to DAWs, the digital audio workstation? We're talking Pro Tools and Ableton and the place where a lot of uh, musicians make their music. This is to all the DAWs except for Ableton, and this would be copy more of the stuff that Ableton's doing. I just saw that Logic has done that recently. If you're fine-tuned into like the music-making space, you'll see that Logic added like Live Loops, which is Ableton's clip launch kind of thing. And then they also created a new version of their sampler instrument, which is very much similar to Ableton's, which is called Simpler. And like seeing that kind of thing, I guess maybe I have a different opinion, but I love when I see that because I feel like us as the consumer and the people that are using these products, we're the ones that win when they do that. Because then Apple will take some of these Ableton ideas and 
put their spin on it and maybe make it a little bit better. And then Ableton sees that and goes, we're going to copy that. <laughs> like, and then there's that kind of back and forth kind of like race to the top. When these companies are racing to the top like that, we're the ones that win. And I guess I use Ableton as an example because I love Ableton, but they have a lot of really cool things like Max for Live device kind of things where it's like LFOs and envelope followers and these kind of things. that Some can, really wacky stuff. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that where you can then connect, say like the LFO tool to like any parameter in Ableton so that you're modulating with an LFO, like it almost makes Ableton like a modular synth that you can do anything with. That kind of concept I think is really, really cool. And I think if more companies were kind of copying that and like expanding upon really cool ideas that Ableton seems to really be pushing, I think we would get a lot cooler things that we could do in the DAW. Yeah. Okay, DAWs, steal good ideas from each other. Exactly. Yeah. Or <laughs> keep doing it. Keep stealing. Yeah, keep stealing. Yeah. Could you please give any constructive feedback, should you have any, to the track Sandstorm by Darud? Maybe not to the track specifically, because it's perfect. I would say I would just give advice to anybody out there, like DJs, people that are on venues, and I would say play it nonstop. It's the only song you need to play. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Play it three <laughs> times in a row. It's always going to go down well. Yeah. Like, that's the advice. The song's perfect as it is, though. All right. Last topic for unsolicited feedback. Please let grilled cheese sandwiches know if you have anything, uh, any suggestions for. Okay. I got one. And uh, if my buddy Nolan hears this, he's going to love this. My uh, advice would be don't use butter or mayonnaise or anything on them and just go go dry. Really? <laughs> Okay. It's just a bit healthier. But if you want flavor, you're going to want to stuff it with all sorts of stuff. Uh, but I remember there was this one time, I guess a couple of years ago. This is one actually tying it all back together. Um, when I was drinking more heavily back in the day when I got that one note, um, me and my buddy Nolan were doing a lot of drinking and we would always come home to our respective houses. And we were kind of like into health, oddly enough, at the same time. So we would make like grilled cheeses and not use any any butter or anything and then take a picture of it and send it to each other because like we're snacky but we're that's doing really something. sweet <laughs> yeah, that's a really sweet way of saying good night yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on that note we'll move into our final segment noting your past self so for this segment the conceit is that i have invented time travel and i am squandering this technology by using it for the sole purpose of allowing you, Matt, to go back and give notes and feedback to your past self. And I would like to ask you, what point in time would you go to and what would that advice be? I would probably make it, I'm going to keep it on music because that's what I like talking about. And what I would do is I would go back in time to when like I first started learning guitar, tying it into some of the notes that I've gotten in the past, particularly that go-giver one, I would say give away more and give away more freely, even from like the beginning. And the reason I would say that is like one, the second I started giving more, especially with like stuff like writing about what I know and making videos about what I know, made like the biggest change in my life where I'm able to live this sick ass life where I'm not like, I don't have a job or anything like that. And like, I'm just working on music stuff and helping people with music stuff. If I was able to do that earlier, even from the guitar point, the sooner I would have been able to get to this stage in my life. And particularly, there's one thing that I'm thinking of right now. I think it's called like the one chapter ahead rule or something like that, if you ever heard something like that. But essentially, something I've heard where, do you remember the movie Catch Me If You Can? Yeah. Basically, in that movie, or it's based on a true story, and this person was like always ahead of like the police. One of the things that he did was 
he was a student in a class at a university or whatever, and the professor didn't show up. And so what he did was he just started teaching the class, <laughs> okay? And apparently he was teaching the class for, like, weeks before, like, the professor or whoever showed up and was like, hey, like, what, what the heck? What Who the, are you? Who are you? <laughs> right? And he was teaching the class for weeks. And apparently when they talked to the actual person in real life, like, how did you do that? And he said, I was always just one chapter ahead. And basically the idea is, like, as long as he was able to read the chapter that the students haven't read yet, he would be able to teach it to them and like appear as if he knows more and have a lot of value to give. And I think that it could apply to like absolutely anyone, even like me learning guitar. Whereas as soon as I learned a bit more about guitar that I'm ahead of anyone else learning guitar, I would be in a position to be one chapter ahead and start teaching and helping other people. And it could have given stuff away. Exactly. So like kind of going back in time, applying that rule as quickly as possible. If I applied that, like, whatever it's been like 15 years ago like i couldn't even imagine w what life would be like right now so that would be, probably be too powerful <laughs> so <laughs> it might, might be good thank you so much matt anything you want to plug i'm gonna set up a link it's gonna be my website forward slash goodest notes so bestfriendsclub.ca forward slash goodest notes anyone that's listening to this if they want to head over to that there's a bunch of things that i usually sell and i'll give it away for free in spirit of everything i've been saying i have a seven step release checklist for growing on spotify literally the seven things that i'll do for each of my releases that's helped me get like four million streams or whatever it's been so far there's also going to be a playlist checklist a couple things i've done to build up a couple playlists about like two or three thousand followers and then two other things in that little combo pack there's a music links course that i've created it's basically shows you how to build your own smart music links whether you're using like hyped it or if you want to build your own kind of the strategy of how to use those to actually send people over to it and grow your spotify streams and then a third thing is a facebook ads course basically shows you how to get set up and running with facebook ads so that you can run ads to your music and start boosting your streams and all that kind of stuff it'll be pay what you can but you can definitely just throw in zero dollars it'll punch your email in you'll get access to all this cool stuff and then i have it set up so I'll be sending you a bunch of extra tips on growing your streams and all kind of music stuff via email after as well, if that's something you're into. That's incredibly generous. So feel free to check that out. We'll definitely put that link in the show notes. So if you are interested in gleaning some of the wisdom that Matt has put together and given out in the spirit of his notes, go check that out. This has been Goodest Notes. If you have a subject you would like a future guest to give notes on, please write in to goodestnotes at gmail.com or check us out on Instagram at Goodest Notes. That's the end of our show. We're produced by uh, Matt's friend Drew Thomas, who also wrote the Goodest Notes theme song along with myself. We held hands the entire time. How nice. Let's do this again. See you later. That's it. Yeah, we did it.